You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get yourself 20% off your next order. On today's show, we're going to recap all the action from week four in the SEC, albeit with just five games to recap as two games were postponed. Also, we will give you who impressed and depressed in week four of the SEC. We're really starting to figure out which teams are the real deal and which ones are not. And lastly, we'll run through the latest AP rankings where the SEC ranks. Could we see a shift in the rankings with other conferences about to start up? I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day, and we are here for you five days a week. All right, let's jump right into it. Let's recap what we saw from the weekend. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. It is over here in Knoxville. Kentucky defeats Tennessee 34-7 as Mark Stoops heads out to meet Jeremy Pruitt for the post-game handshake and the celebration erupts on the Kentucky sideline. The Tennessee Volunteers, fresh off that second-half beatdown at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs a week ago, they played host to Kentucky, who, as we no dominated Mississippi State the previous week defensively. And the Kentucky Wildcat defense, well, they came ready to play again. Bad Jarrett Garantano reared his ugly head once again. In the first quarter of this one, JG had a fumble loss to Kentucky. And not one, but two pick sixes all in the first quarter. He threw more yards on his two pick sixes than he did actually passing the ball. He would be benched for JT Shrout, who would throw an interception himself on the very next drive. The Vols would get their ground game going and make it just a 10-point deficit at the half, but that Kentucky offense woke up in the second half, got their ground game going with 187 rushing yards. Kentucky won big, 34-7, and that Mark Stoops defense. They have only given up one touchdown over their last eight quarters of football. So impressive. In fact, over their last two games, Kentucky's defense has 10 takeaways, including nine interceptions and three pick sixes. The four first-half turnovers by Kentucky's defense, that was the most and a half since 2008 for the Wildcats. Eric Gray, nice day for the Vols at running back, 24 carries for 128 yards, but Tennessee once again has a quarterback issue that they need to figure out. Do they stick with the senior Garantano? Do they try Shrout, who got some action last year? Or roll the dice on the true freshman Harrison Bailey and say, hey, the future starts now. Let's get him through his growing pains early. And things do get worse for the Vols before they get better. Up next, they host number two Alabama this Saturday. First and goal for the Gamecocks. Harris left side. Touchdown. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Kevin Harris. Second of the day from eight yards out. Pick Harris. What's that give you? Boom. Touchdown, Carolina. It could make it 27 19. Well, let's check if they go for one or two. With 54 seconds to go in the third. What turned out to be maybe the actual game of the week in the SEC, Auburn at South Carolina. A game that does not happen very often between these two schools. Auburn jumped out to an early lead. Looked like they were going to control the game, but South Carolina, their defense started stepping up. And the Gamecocks' best players on offense. Running back Kevin Harris, wide receiver Shai Smith, they started making some plays. And Bo Nix continues to be a frustrating player for Auburn. He has... 
three tremendous receivers in Seth Williams, Stove, and Schwartz, but that O-line has him constantly running around back there. Three interceptions for Knicks were a killer. It's good to see Tank Bigsby with another really good day on the ground for Auburn. 16 carries for 111 yards. But during the game, former Auburn player Salvatore Canella tweeted out, quote, I swear y'all don't know the half of what's going on behind the scenes, LOL. Seems like things are not on the up and up for Auburn behind the scenes. Auburn did cut it to 30-22 to in the fourth quarter. And look, they had a chance in the last two minutes, getting it down to the South Carolina 12, but an awful play call by Auburn. On the final play of the game leads to nothing, and South Carolina gets its first win against Auburn since joining the SEC in 1992. Now, prior to this game, Gamecocks cornerback J.C. Horn, he did not have a career interception. Well, he had two on this day, as well as four pass breakups and a deflection that led to another pick. On Sunday, Horn was named Defensive Player of the Week by the Walter Camp Foundation. Huge win for Will Muschamp, who many considered to be on the hot seat coming into this year, and suddenly the Gamecocks are 2-2. Two two. With a big one at LSU this weekend, that is certainly a very winnable game for them. Meanwhile, Auburn could find itself in a shootout at Ole Miss this weekend. In the pocket, throws across the middle, that's complete. Chase lane, first down, much more. 35-30, 25-20, the right sideline. Chase lane is in for a touchdown! Yes! 51 yards! Chase lane and the Aggies answer. They're up 20-7. to Texas A&M Aggies fresh off their win in the Swamp last week. A lot of people were calling this a letdown spot in Starkville, but they didn't account for the fact that Mississippi State's offense has become really bad under Michael Leach ever since that week one upset at LSU. K.J. Costello got another shot at quarterback for throwing yet another interception, giving him 10 picks on the year. Will Rogers came in, did a decent job, 15 of 18, 120 yards and a touchdown, but it was Isaiah Spiller getting the job done for the Aggies on offense. 18 carries, 114 yards, and two touchdowns. Kellen Mond only threw for 139 yards, did throw for two touchdown passes, and the Aggies won 28-14. Mississippi State, they scored their first touchdown in 30, 30 offensive possessions. They've got a lot to figure out still as they drop to 1-3. and three. Their defense has been surprisingly pretty good, but Mike Leach needs to just pick a quarterback, stick with him, and that might be Will Rogers from here on out. For the Aggies, they're sitting pretty at 3-1 and one, and a top-10 team. Big game against Arkansas next weekend. That had a chance to be a negative play. Instead, it's third and one. Franks throwing. Franks to the end zone, and it was... Caught for a touchdown! I just had a feeling this week when Lane Kiffin said they were dealing with some COVID cases, the Ole Miss Rebels would come back down to earth a little bit. But I did not expect Matt Corral, who had been so good all season, to be as bad throwing the football as he was. Corral threw six interceptions in this one, and that Arkansas defense under Barry Odom was everywhere. Razorback linebacker Grant Morgan, a monster with a sack, a pick six, and 19 tackles. Rebels were able to score a couple of late touchdowns to try to make it closer, but the Razorbacks answered, and Felipe Frank seems to really be doing a good job in that Kendall Browles offense. The highlight of the game, Traylon Burks making a highlight, Catch in the end zone, tiptoe, finished with 11 catches for 137 yards and a touchdown. Arkansas is a real problem for teams in the SEC this year. For Ole Miss, their defense continues to be god-awful. They just need to keep the foot on the gas pedal with that O. Still a ton of weapons, but Corral has got to take better care of the football. Two wides to the near. Now Forrest Dahl comes to the right side of the formation. Here's the snap. Matt looks. End zone. Up goes Devontae. Touchdown! Wow! Over the head 
of the defensive back. 13 yards. Unbelievable catch for Devontae Smith. A supposed game of the century once again. It lived up to the hype in the first half as number three Georgia led number two Alabama 24 to 20 at halftime but in the second half Nick Saban fired up his Alabama defense and they got after it shutting out the Bulldogs don't tell me it didn't matter if Nick Saban wasn't on the sideline it absolutely did clock finally struck midnight on Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett who was 18 of 40 passing he did throw two touchdowns but threw three interceptions Zamir White he averaged over five yards a carry Kendall Milton averaged seven yards a carry but it was Bennett's mistakes that cost Georgia dear, dearly. Bama, on the other hand, outside of that early pick by Mac, Mac Jones, he was phenomenal, throwing for over 400 yards, four touchdowns against this really good Georgia defense. Najee Harris ran for over 150 yards, and both Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell had over 160 yards receiving each. They're the first duo to do that in Alabama school history. Mac Jones averaged 13 yards in attempt, so he's basically averaging a first down every time he throws the ball. Alabama has now scored 35 or more points in 17 straight games. That is the longest streak in major college football history. And Nick Saban's record versus former assistants is now 22-0. When you know it, he gets Jeremy Pruitt this week. Another chance to move up on him. Georgia, they got a week off before they go to Kentucky, and they must decide. Do they give JT Daniels a look at quarterback, or do they stick with Stetson Bennett moving forward? Alabama, they get to go to Knoxville this week where those guys are really struggling. And that is your Around the League in Week 4 of the SEC. When we return, who impressed and depressed? We'll discuss next. With life starting to feel a little bit more like normal again, do you guys feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need to chill? These days, everything is go, go, go. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit that reset. That's when you need to reach for Coors Light. When I'm watching college football every Saturday, I can't do it without cracking open a fresh Coors Light Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Nothing relaxes you more sitting on the couch on a football Saturday. Coors Light is my go-to when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill, and that's Coors Light. You can get Coors Light in their new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Don't even need to leave your house. Don't even need to go to the store. Get.coorslight.com. Get it straight to your door. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. A quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bar ever. I know a lot of those protein bars out there you get at health stores. They look good. And once you open them, they have that gross, chalky taste. And you end up taking a couple bites and throwing them away. That is not the case with Built Bar. They have got 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones. My favorite, the cookies and cream. It is so good, you don't even realize what you're eating is actually good for you. You can grab one after a workout, or look, if you're just looking to lose or maintain your weight, try to get away from some of those fast foods. This could be a great option for you if you're looking to go down that path. Built Bars are low in calories, low in sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And just head to BuiltBar.com. You want to use the promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. That's right. We said 20%. Got to make sure you use the promo code Locked On. BuiltBar.com, 20% off. You will get all the delicious tasting Built Bars you could ever want at BuiltBar.com. Roll along here, Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy here with you. Make sure you guys are subscribing here for you five days a week, talking all things SEC. In the midst of another SEC football season, things constantly changing and happening every week. So 
you know, some of these other podcasts they do once a week or whatever. Look, things change on a daily basis, and that's why you got to be here with us five days a week. I mean, look, Friday show, we were talking about Nick Saban not coaching, and then look what happened within just a couple of hours. And he tests negative again on Saturday morning, and he was coaching. All right, let's get to who impressed and depressed this week in the SEC. Who impressed and who depressed? All right, we start with who impressed. Will Muschamp, look, for a guy who was on the hot seat coming into this season, some people wondered if they would go 1-9, and 2-8. To be sitting here at 2-2 two and two at South Carolina, he deserves a lot of credit. Mike Bobo is doing just enough on that offense, but it is Will Muschamp and that defense that got it done on Saturday against Auburn. I'm not saying things can't still go sideways for Muschamp this season, but that was a very impressive win, forcing Bo Nix into mistakes and beating the Auburn Tigers. Who else impressed? How about Barry Odom? Look, if the refs had done their job two weeks ago against Auburn, Arkansas would be 3-1 and one right now. But what Barry Odom has done with this Arkansas defense in just one offseason, really impressive. Six interceptions for this group on Saturday against Ole Miss. A 19-tackle day for linebacker Grant Morgan. Arkansas's defense was ranked 116th last year. It now ranks 20th. What a difference a year makes, and what a difference Barry Odom makes running your defense. I'm sure LSU or Florida may be wishing they would have given Odom a sniff this offseason. Who else impressed? How about Terry Wilson, quarterback at Kentucky? Now, look, he's got wins in his career in Gainesville and Knoxville. Those are two places the Wildcats have not won in a really long time. And I know his stats are not all that eye-popping, but he's getting the job done. Think of all the Kentucky quarterbacks they've had for the past 30-plus years. Terry Wilson is the first Kentucky quarterback to win in Knoxville since 1984. For a school that had to play a wide receiver at quarterback last year, Wilson's game-managing style and the dual-threat plays are getting the job done for the Wildcats. And lastly, who impressed? But the Bama defense. Look, they still need work, but this week they got stops when they needed them, forced turnovers, shut out Georgia in the second half. Chris Allen and that front seven, they got after it. They got pressure on Stetson Bennett, Bennett, sacked him twice, hurried him a handful of times. Malachi Moore picked off Bennett near the goal line in the third quarter, returned at 42 yards. That second half was reminiscent of the Bama defenses of recent years, and that's what they need to get back to playing like if they're going to win a championship this year. All right, who depressed in week four? How about Georgia's defense? Look, I get Bama's offense has playmakers everywhere, but in the second half against Bama, you give up a 90-yard pass to Jalen Waddell. Bama was 6-for-11 on third downs, racked up 564 total yards. And I know he wasn't 100%, but Monty Rice, he played his butt off for Georgia. They just got flat-out outplayed by Bama's talent. 152 yards on the ground for Najee Harris, balanced with Mac Jones's 417 yards and four touchdowns through the air. Kirby Smart is going to be breaking down this film all week long. Who else depressed? How about Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral? Coming into Saturday, Corral had five career interceptions and 288 pass attempts. On Saturday, he threw six interceptions on 38 pass attempts. Look, when you increase your career interceptions from 5 to 11 in one day, that is incredibly awful. And Matt Corral has got to do better moving forward in that Lane Kiffin offense. Who else depressed? How about Bo Nix, the reigning freshman of the year in the SEC? Been really disappointing as a sophomore. A big part of it is that offensive line, which is not very good at all. But Bo has made a lot of bad mistakes. That said, he takes his team all the way down to the goal line at the end of regulation against South Carolina. Gutty 
played with heart. But that last play, he runs around looking super confused. I think some blame needs to go to Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris as well. But Bo deserves a lot of the criticism this season. He's got to step it up and play better. And I bet some Auburn fans are wondering, why don't we have Joey Gatewood anymore? Would have liked to have seen him playing some snaps at quarterback. And lastly, who disappointed this week? Who depressed? How about Bama's COVID testing? Look, I get everyone is doing everything they can when it comes to these crazy times, testing for COVID-19, dealing with all the safety protocols. But how do you let the most important person in your building draw a false positive test that leaves his presence in Saturday's game in question all week leading up to game day? Thankfully, that's all it was for Saban was a false positive. But I would love to know what happened to that tester that drew a false positive from Nick Saban. Because for a guy that demands nothing less than perfection in his program, having the head coach coach from home for three days over a false positive, it's pretty inexcusable. And that is who impressed and depressed in week four of the SEC. Coming up next, a quick look at the latest AP rankings and implications moving forward for the SEC. Locked on SEC, rocking and rolling here on a Monday following week four of SEC play when we had five games happen, two postponed. Hopefully that's all we'll have. Hopefully we get back into it where we had all our games in the rest of the way this season. Figuring this uh, last segment, we take a quick look at the uh, AP poll. The updated Week 7 AP poll just came out uh, yesterday. And keep in mind, we're in week, going into Week 5 of the SEC, but we're Week 7 into Week 8 of the <laughs> college football for everybody else. Anyway, uh, this is going to be an interesting week as we get the Big Ten back playing football this weekend. So these polls are going to likely dramatically ch- change next week when we get some Big Ten results. Ohio State is obviously the Big Ten's best team in the top five of most polls. But you also have Penn State, who's in the top ten. And then you have Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota, who are all pretty consensus top 25 teams. So if any of those latter teams take week one losses for the Big Ten, they're going to drop out. And that's going to open the door for potentially an SEC school to jump back up in there. For instance, eighteen number 18 Michigan plays at number 21 Minnesota this weekend. Well, the loser of that game is going to drop out of the rankings, most likely. So is that door open for, say, Auburn to jump back into the top 25, or maybe Kentucky or Arkansas? So it's going to be something worth watching over these next couple weeks where we're just going to have a jumble of teams. And keep in mind, the Pac-12 is coming back eventually as well. They're going to be thrown into the mix where some people have USC in their top 25 rankings and so on and so forth. But this week's AP poll, they've got Alabama at number two, just behind Clemson. Which, look, you can make a real argument for Alabama at number one. I understand the Trevor Lawrence effect, and Clemson is really, really good. But Alabama has the much more impressive resume so far compared to that of Clemson. Alabama already has wins over two top ten teams currently. Clemson, they beat Miami when they were ranked seventh. Miami has since fallen to 11th. But Alabama's wins over Texas A&M and Georgia, two top ten teams currently, and neither of them were particularly close. Both of them were pretty convincing wins. I'd say Alabama has the better resume so far and deserves to be number one. Maybe some people are holding it against them that Ole Miss game where, yes, they gave up tons of yards and tons of points to the Rebels, but I think you have to take into account the fact that it was Lane Kiffin on the sidelines opposing Nick Saban. In my mind, the Tide are the number one team, 
but I get it. A lot of the writers still think Clemson is the number one team and Alabama is number two. Georgia, they didn't really move much this week with the loss at Alabama. They stay at, at number four in the AP poll. So you lose to Alabama in Tuscaloosa, you drop one spot. So Georgia right there still sitting as a top five team. And I think a lot of people are wondering, moving forward, was this just a case of you ran into a juggernaut in Alabama and Georgia's going to bounce back and win the rest of their games? Or is this an unraveling? Is the playbook now out on Stetson Bennett on how to beat him? And if you take him away and force him into some turnovers, maybe that Georgia defense with their backup against the wall isn't as good. That'll be something worth watching in the coming weeks. Texas A&M, they move up a little bit. They're up to number seven in the country. A win a week ago versus Florida, really earning them a lot of respect. Number seven in the country is the highest they have been ranked since Jimbo Fisher took over at Texas A&M. I know they've been in the top 10 in the past under Kevin Sumlin, you know, those years where they would start 4-0, 5-0, but all of a sudden when you start getting an SEC play, here come the losses week after week after week. Jimbo Fisher's got A&M in a great spot. Let's see if they can, he can keep them there as a top 10 team in the country. Florida, they come in at number 10. They were off this week after their game versus LSU was postponed. I just wonder how much that helps or hurts Florida in having that game postponed and move to December 12th because we understand LSU has got big concerns with their defense right now, huge issues. LSU could fix those issues in the coming weeks to months, and by the time we get to December 12th, what happens if LSU is playing a lot better than both on offense and defense? Could be a bigger headache for Florida at that time as opposed to had they played them this week where all reports said Miles Brennan was very doubtful for that game. So you're kidding me? You could have had a game against LSU with their backup quarterback and their defense really struggling in the swamp. Would have almost been a guaranteed W for Florida. Now that game is very much in question, moving it to December 12th. Be interesting to see where both Florida and LSU are when we get to that point. Of course, it'll be the season finale for both teams, unless Florida is going to the SEC championship, and that means they've got to beat Georgia in the coming weeks. No other SEC team was ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll this week. That means for the first time in a long time, we don't have an SEC team ranked from 11 to 25. Absolutely insane. And this is what I talked about in recent weeks about the SEC potentially cannibalizing itself. Because you're playing other SEC teams every week, you have a chance to be upset, and each loss drops you lower and lower. So for now, Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, all sitting there at 2-2, two and two, but Kentucky having won two in a row, I think you have to give them credit. If they string together several consecutive wins, they'll move up, but on Halloween, they host Georgia. So that will be you know, absolutely a chance for them to put themselves, pull off the upset and put themselves back into the top 12 rankings. But for these other teams, I just wonder, you know, when we get the Big Ten back in here playing, when we get the Pac-12 back in there playing, is that good for the SEC or is it bad with having you play SEC teams every week and you're perhaps sitting at 4-2, and 4-3, and three, you're not going to be ranked as opposed to, say, a 3-0 and Big Ten team at the time. It's just crazy. It's crazy that we're having this <laughs> – the schedules all start at different times for all these different teams. But thus is – the COVID-19 year of 2020 and be grateful we're at least getting these games in but it will be interesting to see if any more of these SEC teams drop out as they continue to play each other again when you have a ranked team play a ranked team whoever takes the loss and the AP writers and a lot of the pollsters minds are going to drop with the exception of Georgia who a lot of people still view as a top five team despite losing and getting shut out 
against Alabama in Tuscaloosa this past Saturday. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Remember to subscribe, guys. We are here for you five days a week. Another week loaded with special guests you do not want to miss. Break it all down for you and get you ready for week five of the SEC coming up this weekend. And hopefully that means we're getting all the games back in. We'll have a full slate of games to break down and no more postponements. I'm Chris Gordy. We will talk to you guys tomorrow on Locked on SEC.